to the Paint, Rest, Repeat podcast with Roz Gervais and Laura Day, where we chat about our creative lives as artists while keeping it real and a little bit messy. We're here to inspire creatives just like you to push past those boundaries and make art that you love. Let's dive in. Hello, Kate. Hello. How are you, Roz? I love a little impromptu intro and just the swing, you know, give just drop some difficult things. So I'm just going to go straight into hello, Kate. For our beautiful listeners today, we have the lovely Kate Quinn with us today. She is a floral still life oil painter from Brisbane, and she does a lot of things in her business. So we wanted to go and pick her brain on your behalf and help you with, you know, forming your art business or getting a bit of a picture of the art business that you might want to have sometime in the near future. And obviously, Laura's with us today as well. Hi, Laura. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited for this interview with you, Kate, because you I was looking at your Instagram and you've got lots of things happening. So uh, you've got original art and prints and tableware and you run bespoke art workshops, which I would love to come along too. I missed out on the Geelong one, but yeah, we can dive into all the amazing things that you're doing. I would love to see you at one of those one day, Laura, although you probably don't need an art class. No, but it's totally different to how I work. So I think I'd love it. And I think it's also more of an experience than just like a step-by-step art class. Like I love how you like set up the table and there's beautiful flowers and it's in an amazing venue. And the catering looks great. And I'm sure that like you'd meet just some beautiful, like lovely people. Like it's so much more than just your run of the mill art class. So yeah. That's exactly how it started because Emily and I, my business partner, Emily Day and I had both been to lots of art classes ourselves over the years where the art, it's teaching itself might be great, but it's sort of like, oh, bring your own mug and you'll get an international roast at morning tea. And then you've got to go somewhere else to get lunch. And the room might be really ugly. And we just thought that's not what we want to do. So we've tried to create an art workshop that we would want to do where everything feels really beautiful. So it has to be a beautiful location, has to be good food, nice art, lots of flowers. There's flowers everywhere. And yeah, it just feels like a beautiful experience, the whole thing. I'm itching to go. Ros and I were talking about it. I know. We're like, we got to get to one. Let's go together, even though we're in different states. <laughs> I think it would be a great way to come together, though. Where, what are your locations, actually? Where do you run your workshops? All over Australia. So we, it sort of depends on who reaches out to us. So we work with a host in whatever area we're going to. So the first one we did in Rockhampton, then we've been to the Hunter Valley, to Geelong or outside of Geelong, to Toowoomba and to the Scenic Rim near Brisbane. And then we're doing a couple in Brisbane and next year we're hoping to come to Western Australia. So we will go where the beautiful location is. Oh, I love uh, that. That's so good. I'm My brain is ticking and I'm going to find a beautiful venue in Ballarat. We've got amazing places here and a really great creative community. So I think you'd love visiting here. Okay. Yep. We can talk. Uh, (laughs) I'll fly over. Lock me in. I'm already there. You've got two tickets sold already, Kate. People fly from a long way. We've got one lady who has come to two now from Albany in Western Australia. So she has to drive for four hours to Perth and she gets on a plane to wherever the closest place is 
hires a car and then drives. She is dedicated. Is her name Tracy? No, her name's... No, just checking. Just checking. (laughs) (laughs) That was a bit random, wasn't it? What about Emma? What else? (laughs) Is her name Sarah? (laughs) This podcast episode is sponsored by Laura's Creative Kickstart Coaching Sessions designed for aspiring artists seeking motivation and support to turn their creative dreams into reality. Go to www.laurajaneday.com slash work with me to find out more. But isn't it like a, like a beautiful gift to yourself to like treat yourself to a lovely experience? I think it's just like an act of self-care and yeah, you're just doing something for yourself and yeah, just a day out that would just satisfy like your creative, you know, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for? Creative needs. Yeah, yeah, your creative needs, yeah. Yeah, So, and so many people, like it, it is actually self-care. Like there's psychological research that shows that getting in that state of flow that you get in when you're really absorbed in a task, like painting a painting for the first time, is good for your mental health. It reduces anxiety. It stops all the squirrels going in your mind where you've got busy thoughts about your work and your kids and your responsibilities. So coming to a bloom, people just have a break from their responsibilities for a whole day where we look after them and make sure that they feel safe and nurtured. And whether they do a good painting is almost like a bonus. Uh, They always do. But if they didn't, they'd still have a really good day because it's just such a lovely experience. And there's no way you could paint something beautiful anyway if you didn't feel safe and you didn't feel, I don't know, it's more than safe, is it? It? And it's sort of nurtured and yeah, protected, I suppose, in a way. Yeah, because it actually takes a bit of guts to go to an art class. People come and they're quite nervous. You feel very exposed when you're doing art, especially if you've not done it before, or even if you have done it before and your expectations on yourself are high. So people come quite nervous. Often had people have a little cry <laughs> with, with the nerves at the start, and then they leave so happy at the end because they realize it's actually not been scary. And Emily and I really make a big effort to look after people when they're there, especially if they've come on their own. Oh, you're making me teary. I know. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Just because it is about that, you know, like it's, I don't know, we all have these mindset blocks and these hurdles that we chuck up in front of ourselves. And, you know, for those people that you're describing, turning up, like buying the tickets, a big thing, right? Turning up is another really big thing. So well done for getting there. And well done to you as well for helping them over that last hurdle, you know, before getting to a place of actually diving in and enjoying the experience. So, yeah, beautiful. Yeah. We really try and focus on that the value in art is in the doing of the art, in the process and not so much on the product. And it's actually a good thing for all artists to keep front of mind because we all get really fixated on producing like a beautiful outcome the value in art's not in the outcome, it's in the doing. It's like the creating that make, fills us all with joy. I mean, sometimes it's actually extremely frustrating if it's not going well, but you know, we all do art because we love the doing of it. And so that's where you really need to focus the value in coming to a workshop or doing art at home in the process and less in the product. And you'll have a much happier life if you can do that. I mean, that applies to all aspects of life really, but I think in art especially. Yeah, totally agree. Um, Laura. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, I want to like turn back time and I want to ask Kate about her journey as 
an artist, but not just on the art side, but the art business. Like how did you start with your arting? And then how, I like to call it arting, I know it's painting, but you know, and how did you come to a point where now you have your originals, prints, tableware, and your classes? Like how has that journey been? Have you tried different things along the way? How have you known what's fit? Just be really interested in chatting with you about that. Well, probably like a lot of creative people, I've tried everything. So I did well at school, did well at art in school. But back in the 90s, going to art school wasn't really presented as an option. I probably, if I was born, you know, these days I would have been encouraged to do that. But um, so I went and did social work and worked as a social worker on and off around my kids for 20 years, but always loved to have an artistic hobby on the go. So I've done all sorts of things. I've done silversmithing, painted ceramics, made polymer clay earrings. I had a, um, a crafting blog. I've sewed you name it, I've always got a bit of a creative itch that needs scratching. And I think a lot of people are like that. And then I started painting because I was following an artist called Laura Jones and I loved her work. And I went to a course just to learn how to do oils because I wanted to paint like Laura. And of course, it's a lot harder than she makes it look. I just kept practicing really. And so initially, probably I've probably been painting for 10 years, but I would say the first six of those years was just literally hobby painting. People wouldn't have even known I painted. I just did it now and then when I could. And I've got three kids, so I had to fit it around them. And then probably four years ago, I started going to a weekly art class and it just carved out space for me to, you know, to do the art because you get so time poor and so busy, you just always put it off. So I started painting every week and then I started an art Instagram My life genuinely changed when I entered the Jumbled Art Superstar competition. Jumbled is a beautiful homeware store in Orange, but they have, they're quite influential in the sort of art sphere. By some miracle, I won that competition in 2020. (laughs) Not a miracle, Kate. Not a miracle. It was sort of a miracle, but um, that completely changed everything because at that point, I was not set up as a business at all. And after I won it, like the next day, I went to the bank and got a business bank account and applied for an ABN and thought, oh my God, I think I might have a business that has just been born. So for for our listeners, Kate, I just want to interrupt and just say, like, just enter. Like if you can see yourself fitting in somewhere, or if you know the direction you want to take one day, like don't let all of those sort of fears, I suppose, get in the way. There's no harm in entering. I believe Jumbled specifically is free to enter. Just enter. Well, worst thing is they say no or you, and you get that rejection email and that does happen. That's part of the journey. But who knows? They could say yes and then you'll be off to set up a business bank account, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. I enter stuff all the time. I still do. And some of them are free ones and some of them are paid. So, you know, you don't want to spend all your budget in the year on competitions. But if you select competitions that you feel like are a good fit for what you produce, or, you know, like Jumbled has really bright, colourful stuff. My art is really bright and colourful. So it's a good fit. You know, if you did very neutrals, maybe you wouldn't, you'd seek a different competition. So yeah, go for it. And I didn't even overthink it. I didn't, when they called me to say I'd won, I thought I'd won a tea towel in like tag a friend comp because I had forgotten I'd even entered it because it took me 30 seconds to enter. I was not on my radar at all. But yeah, I enter stuff constantly and get rejected 95% of the time. And that's just being an artist. That is. And it's normal. And the first ones are hard. And then you're like, ah, yeah, it's all right. It's another one. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. 
That's amazing. And what a beautiful like affirmation of your like dedication to your painting and your craft as well. I think, you know, that was meant to be like that opportunity was like meant to be presented to you in some way. It's like the universe conspiring to sort of like put you on this path and then all the other things followed. So once you won that competition and then that was around COVID time, wasn't it? Just at the start of COVID. Yeah. Start of 2020. So were you in like a little cocoon and you were just creating paintings for Jumbled to stop? Yeah. COVID was sort of kind to me and probably a lot of artists where I couldn't go out and do anything. So I did a lot more art than I probably would have otherwise. And it gave me more time at home just to think about how I wanted this to run. But my business has not been very well planned. I'm not someone who has sat down with a business plan and a five-year goal. I've literally just stumbled through all of this. And if I have an idea, I've set it up and seen what happens. And so that's how I've set up all of these things. Like when I've thought, oh, maybe I should do a print or someone would have said, do you do with prints? And I was like, oh, I don't know. Nah. So then I've researched, you know, who are the local printers and how does it happen? And it all involves a fair bit of research. And then I've set up prints. And so now I have prints on my website, which is a lovely small but passive income stream that I don't have to do much work to manage. So how do you do your prints? Do you, when you say passive, because I love this topic at the moment, I'm hyper focusing on the whole income stream thing. Do you set it up as uh, print on demand or how do you run your prints? Yes, print on demand for me. So I um, use a, a local print shop sort of, they're a specialist art reproduction service. So it costs me about $150 to set up each painting as a print. So it's not cheap initially, and they but they photo, photograph it professionally and colour correct it. That's part of the $150? Yes. Yeah. That's actually really good. Is it? Just Yeah, that's actually really good. Yeah. Yeah. And so then once it's photographed, I they have it there on their website. So if some, and then I've loaded it up on my website. And if someone orders one through my website, I just send an order through to my printer's portal and they usually have it done within a week. The only work it involves for me is that I have to go and pick it up and package it up and post it. So it's a bit of running around, but I'm not selling hundreds of prints. You know, I might sell one or two a week. So I'm not going to get rich from prints. But it's still just a nice little alternative for people who can't afford originals and it's just that little tiny bit of extra income for me. Yeah, beautiful. Do you do prints, Laura? I've never dived down into it. It's been on one of the lists to pursue, but I've just never got around to it. So it's interesting. So you've got prints and then you also have ventured into tableware. I've seen the throws or the the tablecloths. So you've got your art manufactured onto actual products as well. Yes. And again, that's been something that just I kind of fell into. I was lucky. I happened to know a friend of mine who's a mum at my kid's school in COVID. Her COVID emergence was that she started a digital fabric printing business. She was a nurse and she's a great sewer. So she bought a digital fabric printer and just started this business. It's called Applique Digital Fabric Printing and Applique is spelled A-P-P-L-I-K. I'm taking notes. <laughs> and she just lives down the road from me. So uh, initially, she, I think she said, oh, that would look good on a tea towel. So I said, oh, do you want to try 
doing me a mock-up and she sent me a sample and I thought, oh, it does look good on a tea towel. So initially I just made, you know, maybe 10 tea towels. And then I realized that, that again, this is a, a way to have a small passive income stream that's not relying on my ability to produce originals, which is time consuming. And it's another option, you know, Mother's Day is coming up. And so people, I've had quite a few orders of people sending a tea towel to their mum. And I was just at the post office this morning, express posting them to some people who were a bit slow on their, <laughs> getting their order in. And so then I started to do tablecloths and now I have napkins, tablecloths, tea towels, uh, aprons. See, the thing is that this fits in really well with what you're doing with the Bloom art experiences as well. You know, like it, it's, it sort of comes together and I feel like whilst you might have stumbled upon this as an option, it just it joins your story. It just makes sense. It's not like you're selling art on mugs, which... I mean, I suppose could sort of work, but not as not as well as your tableware. So, mm. yeah, and I do want it to be still a beautiful product. I, you know, I wouldn't want art on pens or mugs just for the sake of it. You know, I am quite conscious, and my tableware is not cheap. It's it's probably relatively expensive to a linen tablecloth you could buy at a retail store, but mine are all artist designed. They're designed, printed, sewn, cut, everything here in Brisbane. So it's, yeah, it's not a cheap way for me to do it, but I feel like it's a beautiful product that's 100% Brisbane produced. I could get it done cheaper overseas, but I don't want to. No, and that quality is also aligned with your brand, not just the choice of products, but the quality there as well. Yeah, beautiful. Love it. So, okay, so we've got your art. You obviously have your originals. You've We've spoken about your prints, the tableware as well. Now, have you tried, we'll talk about your classes in more detail soon too, but have you tried any other products or, yeah, I guess products, I suppose, or forms of your art in your along your journey that haven't worked out? I've probably had like, for example, maybe some one tablecloth design that wasn't as popular as another where I've over-ordered. It's, you know, like getting your order in right. And so I'll have a backlog of tablecloths that don't sell as well. And then other ones that are really popular and I run out. So that's probably been a bit of taking some working out. I can't think of anything else that I've actually produced that's been a real disaster. Hey, you're sounding like what do they call it? Like a um, like an instant hit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's just worked out. I mean, like those tablecloths that didn't sell so well, they'd make great presents anyways for your friends and family. <laughs> exactly. So it's not a huge disaster. Who wouldn't want like you know? And I do very small batches. You know, I'm not buying a thousand at a time. I'll order 20 at a time. So I feel like I only take quite small risks. I don't go and spend $10,000 on a product if I don't know if it's going to sell. I just buy it, you know, a small amount at a time because then I'm not stretching myself beyond my means. Have you ever considered like full print on demand? So where you don't hold any stock at all, you don't do any shipping at all. Ah, uh, like ship drop. A bit like that, but still with your art. I haven't looked into it. I know my printer does do it where I can put in the order and then they will ship it, pack it and everything for me. But I kind of like to get it home, wrap it myself, put a nice sticker on it, write a card to the buyer, thanking them. I want it to feel like it's genuinely from me, which it genuinely is. Yeah, that personal touch. Yeah, I ordered, well, it wasn't art, but I ordered some essential oils the other day from a boutique like maker and then in small batch. 
And on the packet, it said, love you, Laura, love heart. I'm like, oh, and I picked it up from the post. I was like, I'm like, oh, that just made my day. Like all those personal touches like really matter. Yeah, it does make a difference. And I like it all to be wrapped beautifully in nice quality paper. I mean, you couldn't do it. If you were selling thousands of these, you couldn't do it. But I think for most small makers, you're not selling thousands of them. Yes, you know, you're selling a few. And so I take the time to make sure when they received, it's a nice experience, the whole thing of opening it. Stop it. I love this. Okay. <laughs> um, so Kate, you've got an exhibition coming up as well. So you're an exhibiting artist. Have you ever had an exhibition before? I have. I have had a solo exhibition with Jumbled last year, uh, which was amazing. It nearly sold out in a day. And I think there was, there's still one left, but the rest of them sold really fast. I think we now hate you, just so you know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they're not always like that. They're not always like that. And, you know, the market's really quiet at the moment. At the moment, it's a bad time to be selling art because people, if they've got $1,000 to spare, they're going to put it in their mortgage, not on original art. So I think all artists and makers are finding that a tough market at the moment. And prior to that, I had another exhibition at Wild Canary that didn't sell out. I think, you know, I had about a third left. See, the jumbled show, I'm guessing that would have been right in the middle of COVID. That was last August. So we were just coming out the other end. Oh, I didn't realise. Okay, all right, sorry. Because I know that, you know, art was a really, really big thing, the original artworks during the COVID lockdown. Everyone was, you know, home decoring. It was. Yeah, they were. Yep. And now they'd probably rather go on a holiday or they're getting smashed with their mortgage and other expenses. So I think anyway, it swings and roundabouts, isn't it? You know, you have, you'll have quieter times and better times. But yeah, I've had, so I've had two solo shows and I've been in quite a few group exhibitions in the last five years. But um, my Bloom business partner, Emily and I have come up with this concept called Seasons. It's going to be in Brisbane at La Trobe Art Space. And it's one of those spaces where you, we're hosting our own exhibition. So we pay them to hire the space for the week, but then we don't pay any commission on the art sales. So we've never done this before and we're taking a bit of a risk and we have to do a lot more work ourselves because we have to do our own catalogue and our own advertising and our own marketing and everything ourselves. But if we went with the gallery, which most people do 40% or more of your sales, well, between 30 and 50% of your sales go to the gallery. So we're giving this a shot to see if this is, you know, better for us in the end income. But yeah, it is a quite quite a bit of work. I was just um, being really rude and looking at my phone so that I can refer you and anyone else to episode 38, where we talk about preparing for a successful art show. And we talk about the benefits outside of just sales. So sales are awesome, but there's a lot of other benefits. And I'm sure you're well across that. But just in case our listeners wanted to tune in. (laughs) I actually listened to that episode just the other day and it was really helpful and it was good because I've got my own mental checklist of the things we need to do. And most of the things you talked about we'd done, except we hadn't organized a Facebook event. So we've done that now. Thank you, girls. The other thing that I don't know if we mentioned this, actually, it's a good idea to get someone there on photography. We're doing that. We've got a photographer coming for opening night, just for an hour, just at the start. Yeah. And so when is the opening? The exhibition is from the 11th to the 16th of July at La Trobe Art Space, but the opening is... Thursday, the 13th of July. 
Um, it's a free event. It's open to anyone. You don't need to RSVP. You can just pop in and have a look. It's from 6 p.m. But I'll be in the gallery all week. Emily's having a baby in a few weeks. So she will also be there some of the time with her four-week-old. But I'll probably be men in the space most of the time from nine to four every day. So people, if you can't make opening night, you can just come and have a look. What a time to be having a show for Emily, having a baby. And then- well, we've been planning the show a lot longer than she was planning the baby. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, the show came first. Yeah, so the show is going to be beautiful. We came up with the idea of having it around the seasons and um, we're going to divide the gallery into four sections of autumn, summer, winter and spring. And we have decided to do collaborations with some other artists because we everyone wins from a collaboration. So we invited um, a South Australian artist called Pia Kaikoven. She's a, oh, the most beautiful painter and ceramicist, but she's doing us a series of ceramic vases and platters and lamps. In her, she paint, hand paints them, so they're art on ceramics. And then a Toowoomba artist called uh, Chelsea Baker She's a seed pod painter, which sounds kind of random, but it's it's really beautiful. So she cleans, meticulously cleans out native seed pods and then paints them and they're stunning. So she's making us a big sculptural seed pod hanging and people can buy and take home a seed pod off the sculpture, you know, grab it and take it away. Oh, beautiful. That's a gorgeous idea. So it's going to be beautiful. And Emily and I are doing our paintings. Each painting is going to be painted two ways. So for every composition, Emily and I will paint the same thing in our own style. And some of them look quite similar. We've, you know, interpreted the composition the same. And some of them you would never know we worked from the same scene. So it'll be really interesting to see them hanging in pairs. So when you were painting them, was it from still life or did you take photographs of the sort of the layout or the... Yeah, we took photos. I usually do work from a photo because then the light is fixed. If I'm working from an actual still life in front of me, it looks different in the afternoon to what it does in the morning. So I would even if I've got it in front of me, I still take a photo to capture the light. Or I could probably get organized and create a light box in here, but I haven't done that yet. If something works, it works. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And some of them we worked from arrangements we created ourselves and some of them we, with permission, worked from florist's arrangements. So we are both obsessed, especially with Bess Paddington and Flowers Bassett. So we worked from some of their arrangements, which is also a win-win for them and us because we paint their arrangements and we all tag each other on, on Instagram. Yeah. So that's that's collaboration again, you know? Totally. Yeah. We wanted I did want to talk about that a little bit as well. Like how did you come to collaborate um, with Emily initially? Were you friends before or we just met through Instagram and sort of the Brisbane Art Network. We'd met a few times in person but chatted a lot on Instagram. You can make friends on Instagram. There you go. I do all the time actually. And it was started with our Rockhampton Bloom. A friend of mine had just opened a new Airbnb in Rocky and asked me to come up and teach an art class there. And I felt like I needed another pair of hands to be able to manage a bigger group. So I asked Emily to come with me and that's sort of how Bloom was born. We went up to Rocky and it went really well and we thought this is something we can replicate anywhere. So we, we set up a business partnership formally with us. We went and saw an accountant and we've set up a partnership. And so we have a separate 
system, you know, business for Bloom to our own individual practices. Absolutely awesome. I love it. I feel like that's quite brave. Why do I feel like that's brave? It could be stupid. Who knows? No, it's far from stupid. (laughs) If it works, it works. Look, it's working beautifully so far. And we've both agreed that, you know, if any, if at any time either of us wants to not do Bloom anymore, we'll, we'll just stop. You know, there's no pressure. So, uh, you know, so far it's worked beautifully and we we work really well together. Emily's a lovely person and she's got slightly different skills to me. So we kind of divide and conquer with their tasks and that works really well. Actually, you know what? It's all about the individuals and the relationship because as, as I said, that was brave. I suppose, Laura, you and I have done that with the podcast, right? I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, we're Instagram friends and we started the collaboration doing this podcast together. And it's just because we're both two awesome humans. It just works. Agreed. (laughs) I think, yeah, we're just respectful of one another. So it just, it just works, you know, and you probably have the same going on with Emily as well. Okay. Yeah, we do. We work really well together. And, you know, I'm 15 years older than Emily and at a completely different life stage. I've got teenagers and she's having babies, but it still just really works. And we paint similar things, but in really different styles. And I use oils and she uses acrylics. So we can offer really different skill sets to the people who come along. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Actually, that reminds me, because we're recording this before, but it's going to come out after, this is going to sound really confusing for everybody, but I'm just going to say (laughs) that you were um, the guest art educator in my Art for the Heart membership last month in May. Yes, I was. It was a great workshop. It hasn't happened yet at the time of recording, (laughs) but I know it's going to be great. So thank you. (laughs) Now we're just confusing everyone. It's great. you guys are doing the same like Roz you've you're diversifying by you've got your YouTube channel and a podcast and you do lots of stuff live and so you're doing a similar thing in a different medium you know mode but it's I think it's good to have a go and just try stuff out and the worst thing that can happen is that it doesn't work yeah I think you know when you have a new idea I feel like it's about you know, you, you need to be inspired by some sort of demand, ideally, you know, so somebody's come and said, do you do prints? And then you research all of it and then you test it out without sinking too much money in it, then see how it goes. And then you increase your expenditure, you know, like I'm sure you only bought a few tea towels, like you were saying at the start, and then you started ordering more, for example. So yeah, starting small, growing from there. Yeah. Yeah. And it was the same. I do one-on-one art classes at home. And that, again, that was nothing I planned. Someone sent me a message asking if I did art classes and could I teach them. And I initially said no, because I'm not a qualified art teacher. I've not done a fine art degree. So I said, look, I I have no idea what I'm doing really. I'm just doing it my way. And she said, well, I want to learn your way. So I said, all right then. (laughs) And um, she came around one day you know, and I barely charged her anything. And we kind of just had a day together and I worked out what I wanted to teach her and it actually went really well. And then I think she told a friend and then I just quite quickly had demand for art classes. So initially they were priced way too cheap, you know, to to be even paying me an hourly wage, but I was working out what worked and my systems and what bits of knowledge I wanted to pass on. And so then over time, I was able to increase the cost of the art classes so to properly pay myself for an hourly wage uh, and cover my materials. 
and they've been really popular. Do you still run your one-on-ones? Yes, I do. I just have them set up in a booking calendar on my website. I only open not that many because I don't have time to do too many. But it's lovely for people to come and do and I sit with them all day and um, teach them my way. It's definitely not the way, you know, but it's just my way of how I approach a painting. Is there the way, Kate? Don't know. I think there's a lot of ways. Talking about your website, like what is, where can people find you, Kate? My website is katequinnart.com, just all one word. And the our teaching website is bloomart experiences or one word.com and you're the same on instagram too aren't you kate quinn art i am yes i am bloom is a bit different i think it i don't know why we couldn't get that um on instagram but we're bloom underscore art underscore experiences and we'll put the links in the show notes for people and we'll tag you when the podcast gets released as well Yay. Hey, I wanted to drop in a random little thing here that I'm just going to catch all of you by surprise because, Kate, you mentioned before that now is not a good time to sell your art because economy is looking a little bit sketchy at the moment, interest rates are higher, blah, blah, blah. But I'm a big believer that artists need to continue making their art. They need to continue doing what they do. And if their sales of their originals, for example, are dropping, do we have some ideas collectively for what people can do at a time like this? and how they can keep that income coming in. I've got a few ideas, but I'll ask you first. <laughs> yeah, I think maybe doing smaller pieces is a good idea. I think really big pieces that are over $1,000 are going to be harder to move. So I think you could look at doing smaller pieces or maybe selling them unframed, you know, on a board or on a, a deep edge canvas that people can hang straight away because framing is very expensive and adds a lot to the cost. So I think in terms of just keeping doing originals, reducing your size, can be a good idea. I was thinking um, the print side of things. So if you are, if you already are set up to make prints, pushing that side of the business or starting to set yourself up with prints and giving that a bit of a try. Otherwise, maybe works on paper might be a good option. What do you think, Laura? I'm thinking about council grants and even just the education side of things. Like Kate, you've already got your workshops and things happening. So just different sort of avenues and income streams. You can look at your local council websites and see like what sort of support is available in terms of grants and funding for artists. I know my local council have like a recurring thousand dollar creative inspiration grant. Yeah. So there's other ways you can think out of the box too. And if you don't wholesale your art, that can also be really good. Um, Lots of homeware stores especially are always looking for art to stock. And so I think don't be afraid to approach uh, homeware stores that you feel are a good fit for your art and offer them. Um, They will take 40%, but a lot of them operate where they will buy it outright from you at the wholesale price and then sell it on. And the good thing about that is that once you've been paid, it doesn't matter whether it sells to the customer, that's up to them then. So they do the sales. Your sale, it's it's almost like making 10 sales to one person and then they deal with the follow-up part. Yeah, that's right. So they might say, I need I need three paintings. And so you you can approach them and say, I've got these three paintings available. You won't get as much as if you sold it directly on your website where you get 100%, but at least you get 60% straight in your pocket. And then they go and sell it on to the customer, but they also are hanging it in their store for a while, which increases your exposure. Ah, thanks. See, this is the power of having other friends who are artists 
and people you can you know workshop with and brainstorm and um yeah just throw some ideas around thanks ladies for coming with me on the journey through that very you know sporadic question <laughs> <laughs> thank you Roz. this has been fun this has been really fun thank you kate for chatting with us today and just sharing a little bit about your art journey and all the different avenues that you've tried as an artist and just running with things too like it's such an inspiring story just to sort of hear about how different opportunities uh, are presented to you but it's also because you're present you're doing the work and I don't think these opportunities wouldn't come to you if you weren't continuously putting yourself out there so I think it's a really good takeaway for people emerging artists and people that are out there maybe just continually sharing on social media continually creating art and yeah just testing the waters with different things and opportunities that come your way. Yep, I completely agree. I'm a pretty good doer. I don't get stuck in the planning phase. I know a lot of people get very stuck in the planning phase and trying to get things perfect before they're willing to share it. And I think that can be a real roadblock. I think you just need to get stuff as good as you can within a reasonable amount of time and put it out there, have a go, write to people, ask, you know, knock on doors, send messages to homeware stores, investigate prints, just do do the things. And they're all really low risk. You know, you're not going and investing in a $200,000 new studio. You're just asking a retailer if they'll sell you stuff and they can only say no. So I think it's good to just have a go at doing stuff. And eventually, you know, you might knock on 100 doors but and only 10 of them might open, but that's still 10 doors that open. Kate, you're giving me goosebumps. I love it. Thank you so much, Kate. And I wanted to do a little wrap up for our episode today. So definitely go and give Kate a follow over on Instagram. Check out her website and her Bloom Art Experiences. If you're based in Brizzy, go and check out her Seasons exhibition with her buddy, Emily Day. Must remember Emily's last name, Emily Day. And what else? Oh, if you are listening on Spotify or somewhere else, feel free to watch us over on YouTube. And definitely leave us a review as well um, wherever you're listening or watching. That's it from us. Yeah. Thank you, girls. Thanks for all the good work you're doing. Thank you. Oh, thanks. Pleasure. Bye. Bye. Thank you. See ya.